Welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Buzz Podcast. Thanks for joining us again. My name is Father Daniele, and I'm joined by Josh Sullivan. Hello. Welcome to you, Thank Josh, you. and Matt Van Milligan. Welcome to you, Matt. Hello. So uh, every once in a while, we get into some topics that are a little bit... Uh, risque? Spicy, risque, yeah. <laughs> controversial. And that's what we do sometimes because, you know, we, we have to talk with them. Uh, you know, I hear a lot of people say, oh, wow, I can't believe you guys talked about that on your podcast. Yeah. Like, well, that's part of the, that's part of our thing is, is it's, it's an area for us to learn even about topics that aren't comfortable to hear about. And, and the church, contrary to popular belief back mm-hmm. in the day, the church isn't scared to talk about these issues. Yeah, absolutely. And so yeah. like some things like that are meant for the bedroom aren't just meant for the bedroom. The church has actual rules and regulations and has, or has, um, I'm going to say experience with, with why, what the church teaches around uh, things like sex. So I guess one of the big things is if if people are listening to this with their children, we're going to get into some deep, heavy topics that you might not want your children to hear. On today's episode. On today's episode specifically. We're going to be talking shop. Yeah. Talking shop. So what we're talking about is uh, just uh, a couple weeks ago, maybe a week ago, uh, Pope Francis uh, was talking about surrogacy in a speech to all the world's ambassadors uh, to the Vatican. And uh, he was talking about that. He actually called surrogacy deplorable. Mm -hmm. And uh, he called for a global ban on the exploitative practice of so-called surrogate motherhood. And uh, for those of you maybe who are just hearing about surrogacy, I guess the best way to explain surrogacy would be it's, it's an arrangement you make for someone else to carry your child, yeah, right, yeah, uh, multiple so different reasons for mo- for any other for a- for any reason, right? So uh, we're talking that uh, s- s- the male's sperm and the woman's egg, like let's say a couple, yeah. and they use another woman, like a third party, yeah. to host yeah. that, right, and the baby, to g- and to give birth to the baby. And then, or it doesn't have to be like that. It could be uh, multiple different uh, scenarios that happen. Multiple different donors or whatever the case may be. But specifically around, um, uh, in in the best way I can say is renting out a womb. Right. Uh, uh, Like having having someone uh, bring the baby to term. Exactly. Uh, And Pope Francis says that it's a grave violation of the dignity of the woman and the child based on the exploitation of situations of the mother's material needs. He says, a child is always a gift and never the basis of a commercial contract. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk today about surrogacy. We're going to talk about other uh, methods that the church deems morally unacceptable as well. Yeah, so there, there are a couple kind of dimensions uh, to what's going on here, because a lot of the commentary or a lot of the initial response really jumped on, you know, surrogacy itself. Which, commercial. Which, well, yeah. yes, so the, the Pope's context here, he's, he's talking about um, commercial surrogacy specifically, but then when he's calling for this, you know, the international kind of uh, powers that be to come together and ban surrogacy across the board, um, a lot of people... Their initial response was, you know, "What's the big deal?" So it's like, okay, um, some some countries have already banned commercial surrogacy because they, you know, they recognize that it can be an exploitative practice for you know the woman uh, carrying the child. Um, but there are there are kind of uh, broader <laughs> um, situations where you know uh, people would would choose surrogacy. So um, you know, a lot of the commentary is like, "Well, the Pope doesn't really know about this," but um, the fact is that there like are a number of kind of moral dimensions to this. Um, you know, 
some of, you know, it has to do with the actual process by yeah, which, you know, right. surrogacy takes place. Um, and more than that, um, I think, you know, the, the Pope is actually aware of all <laughs> of these other, um, um, you know, th these, these other factors um, that, you know, the... Um, the, the context for surrogacy is actually separated from, you know, all of the church's teaching on sexuality, procrea uh, procreation, yeah. um, you know, uh, looking at, um, we had an episode a little while ago when we looked at kind of humani vitae and yeah. theology of the body, um, that there's, you know, there's a lot more going on in surrogacy than a lot of people who are initially reacting uh, are aware of. And just to clarify, when we're talking commercial surrogacy, yeah. we're talking uh, someone using another person's womb and paying for it, yeah. right? So if someone says, okay, well, I'll, I'll be the surrogate mother for this amount of money. And so it's almost becoming like a, like a business. A transaction. Right, a transaction. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that's, that's, that's not the only type of surrogacy that Pope Francis no. was saying that was deplorable. He was talking about surrogacy in general. In general. And I'm going to read what the Catechism of the Catholic Church says. It's not just Pope Francis having a bad day and talking about surrogacy. <laughs> in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, at number 2376, it says, techniques that entail the disso dissociation of husband and wife by the intrusion of a person other than the couple, bracket, donation of sperm or ovum, surrogate uterus, etc., are gravely immoral. These techniques uh, infringe the child's right to be born of a father and a mother known to him and bound to each other by marriage. They betray the spouse's right to become a father and a mother only through each other. Mm. Yeah. So that's the basis of... That's the, the basis, right there. <laughs> yeah, so and we're done. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, and I, I guess challenges a lot of people because, again, if, if you're not thinking about the theological dimension, if you're not thinking about how deeply connected, you know, parenthood is to, you know, the rights of a child to have, you know, th their biological parents be uh, the ones on the outside, you know, surrogacy actually looks compassionate. Um, a lot of the context for surrogacy um, is really sympathetic. Like if you have a couple um, who meets, you know, most of these criteria um, that, you know, they um, uh, want to have a child, but are unable to, you know, kind of through um, natural processes or kind of their um, their kind of normal operate again, depending on what the the source of infertility is. I was like, you want we want to recognize that a desire for a child within the context of marriage is is a good and it is an inherent good of that marriage. Um, but again, we have to properly apply kind of the moral dimension. So like, you know, <laughs> if if my wife and I want to have a child and you know we can't. We can't just go kidnap somebody else's child. Like we can't. Like there, there are there are like reasonable are rules limits to placed follow on yeah. the thing. So like while while we can yeah. you know rightly say and uh, rightly be sympathetic for these situations where people want a child and can't have one, yeah. um, I think I think that that does need to be stated kind of off the bat. There are there are people, well-meaning people, who you know may not necessarily be aware of all of these other kind of um, moral dimensions of what surrogacy involves. Yeah. So okay, right off the bat, I think most people can uh, can admit and they can see the pope's point when he says commercial uh, commercial surrogacy is is wrong I think when they're when they're thinking of that I don't know about you when I hear commercial surrogacy I, I take I take loved ones out of it what I see mm -hmm. there is a young woman rents her womb out um, she's gonna do this thing for for nine months ten months and uh, get 25 grand at the end of it yeah. this is a great way for her to pay off a college educate a tuition or whatever the case may be why not why you know um, she doesn't know the couple at all. She doesn't know anything about them. She, she reports to an agency. They match her up with a complete stranger. 
I think people can see that maybe <laughs> renting out your body like this would be similar in, 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 in similar ways to prostitution or into, right? Like, like where you're renting out a natural function um, to give someone else pleasure, yeah. if you will. Like that's, you know? Yeah, it's, it's worth noting that surrogacy is like as an international business generates billions of dollars is, yeah. you know, it's, it's big business. So again, the, the, some, some countries have banned commercial surrogacy just for that reason, because there's, you know, wow. a high, a high potential for... And exploits women that way yeah, yeah yeah for sure okay so i think if people can agree to that point let's get out out of that now people are going to do it for uh compassion reasons they're not going to get paid at all they're going to be it's a it's a it's a sister who is not married or anything else and decides to give her brother-in-law and her sister or whatever carry the yeah. child of her niece or nephew in their womb it's a loving transaction it's a compassionate transaction in that case and they don't want anything out of it they just want they're 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 having the ability to be part of it or to give this couple that they love so much uh, uh, an offspring. Where are some of the problems that we yeah. see that lie in, in, in that type of transactions? We, we talk, it talked there about having the woman, uh, the catechism said, the mm-hmm. woman having, um, I can't remember exactly yeah. the wording. Well, the, the, and the, and the, the the child having proper own, it, it infringes know? the right of the child to be, to be born, born of a father yeah. and mother known to him yeah. and bound to each other by marriage. They betray the spouse's right to become a father and mother only through each other. And the woman, there's something right before that before about the woman. I don't remember. Do you have it there? It says <laughs> that techniques that entail the disassociation yeah. dis- dissociation of husband and wife by the intrusion of a person other than the couple are gravely immoral. Okay. Yeah, so th- there's kind of two aspects of what yeah. you're talking about. Um, on the one hand, you're removing conception from the Natural. marital act. Yes. Like from the... Yeah, from yeah. sex. Yes, from sex. Okay. Um, so th- that itself is a violation of theology of the body, yeah. humanity vitae. Um, so there's, Let's put there's that, that in a package and we'll yeah, talk about that. Yeah, okay. so there's, there's you know, that, that aspect that, you know, the proper context for conception is um, the <laughs> marital act uh, between husband and wife, father yeah. and mother. Um, that is the proper condition or context for a yeah. child to be conceived. Uh, the other part of that is that the technique itself... Uh, that's used to, you know, um, um, facilitate surrogacy is uh, almost, almost 100% IVF, in vitro fertilization, yeah. uh, which itself has its own kind of flaws, uh, moral, moral Okay, problems. so let's package that. So we got two things there, package them up. What about then the other thing that I, I, I hear about or I think about too is after the birth. Let's just talk about what happens mm. to the surrogate mother after the birth. Um, they're, they're like we know naturally, just speaking. Let's yeah. take let's take let's take the sex parts out and then the in vitro in vitro fertilization out. Mum decides, sister sister decides, does this thing and everything else. What are some of the natural processes there that happen? Yeah. Uh, because she's carrying a child, and so uh, like I, I I know of I know of mothers who have miscarried their child, or or I mean some of the women that have abortions, and we're not going to get into that conversation, but like there's a period of mourning there when they don't have this connection to this child that there are hormones that are released to bond with this child. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's there. And, and yeah, so it's, it's not just like any other kind of financial or commercial transaction that you would have. There isn't just kind of a neat tidy. This is, this is what you purchased handed over and, and there's done. no other implications there. You know, yeah. um, the, the, just the physiological implications of a woman carrying a child for nine months. And, um, uh, one of, one of the, 
the things that uh, my my wife knows a lot more about this uh, than I do. And one of the things that she said is that as a nurse practitioner, yes, just to uh, clarify, yes, people that yes, don't hear the and, show, and a mother, yeah, and a mother, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah uh, two credentials that I do not have. Um, uh, saying that, like, uh, um, uh, in the like the the early days um, of of a child being born, um, you know, a- almost all of their connection to their mother has to do with uh, release of hormones, uh, oxytocin. Yeah. Um, there's there's an incredible bond that takes place, you know, in in the kind of event of birth itself, but in the um, in the early days. And one of the the strongest ways that a baby associates um, uh, or its first kind of human connection is is with uh, its mother um, because their vision is not very developed for the first uh, week or so, and you know it takes a while for it to actually uh, for them to be able to see kind of across a room kind of thing. So yeah. their association immediately um, is with smell. Um, so you know they know the smell of their mother as kind of the first first smell. Um, but again, this isn't detached from the rest of the process. This isn't just, you know, you can hand the baby to someone else. Um, and this is your mother and they'll now. Just, and this they'll is just the associate smell. that smell because um, uh, they say that the, the smell uh, of the mother is directly linked to um, what the baby would taste in the amniotic fluid in, in utero. That's so cool. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So that's, so the, I mean, the baby has that, that it's familiar with it. Yeah. That's why like, so when my <laughs> wife and I had little kids, well, it's been a while now, but when we had little kids in the bed beside us, it would note turn towards Chrissy yeah. versus turn towards me, even though it's sitting in between us, right? Like, and, and it's, it can feel skin on either side, her arm or my arm. It automatically would turn yeah. to her arm and try to latch onto her arm because it knows the smell from being in the womb for nine months. That's not, not something. So when a, yeah. when a surrogate mother does that, the baby is naturally attaching itself to the surrogate mother in yeah. a way that can't be undone. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about uh, the process of IVF? Yeah. Because, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, when we talk about <laughs> surrogacy, there are, like you say, like I, I think I agree with you there, Josh. For yeah. once, is uh, that <laughs> you know when people hear commercial surrogacy, they might say, "Well, that's you yeah, know, that's yeah. not right." You no, know, you're paying for this. But if people hear about the compassionate. Emo- emotional, compassionate surrogacy, yeah, yeah. they'll say, "Well, what's the big deal?" And I think IVF is one of those uh, issues. Like, so IVF is in vitro fertilization, and uh, lots of couples. Yeah are going through IVF, right? Yeah, for, this for, is the primary mechanism for... Um, surrogacy. For surrogacy, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and uh, I, I think it's just come to the point where it's been normalized. Yeah, for sure. And I don't think people realize that it's not morally acceptable, right, mm-hmm. by, yeah. in, in the eyes of the church. Yeah, so, one, what, so what it does in, in vitro fertilization, what basically happens there is that we take, um, we take the act of conception completely out of the marital act. So there's no sex involved in this necessarily. This is completely in the act of we take some egg, we do some surgery, or not some surgery, but we go in, we get some eggs from the woman, uh, we get some sperm from the man, that doesn't involve surgery at all. Uh, <laughs> there's a procedure, yeah, yeah let's, there's, let's say there's a procedure. But we get the sperm, we get the eggs, and we put them into it, basically, I'm going to say a test tube, it's not yeah. always necessarily, a petri dish of some sorts. And they they put this stuff together so that these eggs, multiple eggs, as well as multiple sperm, they want the best chance of success. And that's 10%. So what they do is they take, let's say, 10 eggs. They put 10 eggs. And the best chance of success is normally about a 10%, meaning 90% of embryos that are conceived in this way are discarded and not being able to be used. So they take 10 eggs. They fertilize them. In the eyes of the church, life begins at conception. 
And so at this point, when we put sperm and egg together and then we form 10 little babies, we, we believe that that's those the, are 10 life, the, lives. Those are 10 lives in yeah. that, in that yeah. dish. And so um, then what happens, there's a couple of different things. Sometimes they're frozen. Sometimes right. they're put away and frozen for, for a time that's that when the couple can afford it or when the, tup, when the couple's, you know. Other times what they do is they go through and they say, oh, this one has a birth defect or this has a little defect here. This could result in um, this mental disability or that physical disability. Down syndrome is a, is a part is of it. It's is oh, a big one. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and so, it's so sad that they well, do that. Speaking from an uncle of of of, of um, having my niece that's down syndrome, like if you don't want joy in your life, yeah, <laughs> you know, like exactly. the one of the things that they they are just joyful all the time. They don't have the world never can go wrong with them, you know. Um, anyways, but they but but yeah, when you have like they go through and and they look at the way that the embryo starts to develop and under a microscope, and then they can start to tell, okay, this one's probably this, this one's probably that. We're gonna take that out. Um, they start to do genetic testing. Oh, these these are probably gonna be boys. We, you wanted a girl. We're gonna discard mm. those. So now right. we're, we're we're this really becomes a transaction. This really becomes about like shopping for your baby. Mm-hmm. And what are you doing with the other ten lives that you've just created? You're you're just killing them off. Mm-hmm. And so there's a real the church has a real problem with this in the natural act. If this happens, I mean, because we know that miscarriages happen. We know that, yeah. like, th- like there are natural ways that this happens, and there are natural things, like maybe the woman's body doesn't have the right hormones in place at the time, and it aborts a baby. Uh, I'm yeah. sorry, miscarriages a baby. Yeah. Um, there's difference, and but but that's all naturally done versus this is actually choosing to create life and take life. Yeah, you know I, I, mean? I, th- I think that's important because I think some people might ask, okay, well, what's the difference? And it's like, okay, so you have. Um, uh, People using this science or this technique yeah. to be like, okay, we'll, we'll we'll do this until it works, until we get something viable, and then you know that's yeah. going to, um, like, what's the difference between that and a husband and wife, you know, trying over and over and potentially miscarrying multiple times, having ectopic pregnancies, having like, um, just just yeah, um, uh, the, the kind of the almost identical effect, um, but you know, it's it's in the it's in the context of. Um, of kind of the the proper normal uh, processes, um, that that is the difference. That that's what makes the difference. That um, trying to detach the creation of life from uh, the, sexual the, act. The, the sexual act itself, <laughs> um, but also the difference of agency. Yeah. So if if you know if if you have an ectopic, there's a very big difference between selecting an embryo and discarding it. Yes. Throwing away life. Um, and you know, uh, for whatever reason, um, you know, your your body rejecting an egg, or your body, you know, um, you know, you're not choosing. So, uh, from a moral yeah. philosophy perspective, the agency is fundamentally different. So, for those who would ask, you know, what's the difference between kind of trying this, um, um, uh, just kind of trial and error yeah. in in kind of yeah. the the proper context versus trial and error through kind of this technique. That is the difference. The moral agency is fundamentally different. Then, and, and the church stands by this not only at the time of conception, but at the time of death. And we've talked about this before. But euthanasia being wrong because you are killing someone off versus taking someone off, pulling the plug on someone is different. Mm-hmm. You know, because because yeah. they can't survive on their own. That's yeah. allowing them to die naturally versus giving them yeah. a formula, a mixed concoction that would kill them. Yeah. And the church stands by that too. Like if they're going to die naturally, that's different. But like because the sanctity of life is still preserved, then yeah. right versus 
um, taking life. Yeah. And so, so understanding, like the church stands by this at the beginning of life. And at that, like, when we talk about we support life, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. So it's not that we don't support the life that happens during the surrogacy, although there are some problems there. There's some brokenness yeah. there that we talked about. But it's about the other 10 lives that are yeah. discarded during surrogacy that's also deplorable. Yeah. It's the part that we don't agree with whatsoever. Yeah. And and so so that you know, like it, it is it is something that happens. It's not you can't take the one egg or it's so it's ten thousand dollars a shot, if not more. Um, I looked this up in the research of this podcast. Ten thousand dollars a shot, if not more. It's not like you would take if they're going in and doing all this work, they're not science just says you're not gonna take one egg out plant the one egg, and even if you're doing that, you're taking it as this marital act of sex, so it's, it's wrong still. But if, even if you do it, just one egg, one sperm, put them together, they make, you take it and you put it in the womb. Like, all this stuff, there's a very like, specific here, that's not how it works in science. So what you're going to do is you're going to take 10 eggs. You're going to take the tip best, you're, you're going to take 20 eggs or 30 eggs. You're going to put them in, you're going to discard what you want, you're going to take the best five eggs or 10 eggs, and you're going to take them, and you're going to then put them in the womb. And the first egg to connect, potentially the first egg to connect. Then the hormones are released in the woman. Her urolining, um says, okay, hey, we're pregnant, and doesn't allow other eggs to attach. Sometimes, and there's a case in Canada. So in Canada, one woman gave birth to five children engineered by IVF. She said she only wanted one, so she was actually able to sue her doctor for wrongful life and demand that he pay the cost of raising all the four children that she did not want. She only wanted one kid, but she ended up with four because this is how in, mm-hmm. uh, IVF works. And so uh, she was... She sued her doctor saying, hey, you gave me four, you have given me five kids. I only wanted one because you told me that only one egg would plant, knowing that you'd miscarried the other three or four or five. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, the act of IVF itself, outside the act of sex, yeah. there's, like you said, there's different levels of, of uh, yeah. morality here that we're going, in, that we're sinking into, yeah. but the one is that you're taking life. Yeah. You're creating life to take it. And, and you know, would you kill 10 people for their life to save one? You know what yeah. I mean? And, and the selfishness that, that might, in, you know, so that you can have a child, you're going to kill off 10 others. Yeah. And uh, thinking about it kind of uh, analogously, you gave the, um, uh, the kind of analogy of natural death versus something like, like euthanasia. Um, but even kind of on the other side of this same issue, um, you know, we're, we're kind of uh, roundabout talking about humane vitae or yeah, the, the, yeah, the church's right. teaching on uh, sexuality and procreation. Um, that, you know, one of the major themes of that is that, you know, uh, sexuality should have both a unitive and procreative aspect. Yes. Um, that and attempts to separate these from each other is really, really problematic. And the context for humane vitae is, is contraception, artificial means yeah. of, um, you know, separating procreation from sex. sex and, yeah. you know, f- with contraception, you kind of, you want the sex without... Yeah, you want um, the pleasure and the sex and everything comes with it. On the other hand, something like surrogacy is, I want the baby, but I don't want the unitive aspect. I don't want, um, and and again, um, one of Pope Paul VI, one of his predictions in uh, towards the end of humanity, he says that if we embrace this view of humanity, if we separate, um, you know, our understanding of sexuality and procreation from natural law, from the church's teaching, you're going to have, you're going to experience a number of cultural effects. And one of those is that, um, you know, women's bodies were going, are, are going to be exploited and be treated as machines. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we have, we have a clear example of this in, you know, the, the science of trying to engineer even just the 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 term engineering embryos is just so far removed from you know how the church views kind of the creation of human life mm-hmm. this is sometimes a very a terrible cross for people to carry mm-hmm. yeah right 
you think of a, a married couple who's uh, having, who's desiring to have children and r- realize that they can't, mm-hmm. right? So it's a terrible cross to carry. And I don't want uh, people to think that the church doesn't see the fact that this is mm-hmm. a, a sad situation, that, that, that there's, you know, but the fact that the the right way out of this sad situation is not by destroying life. It mm. is not by yeah. uh, commercializing life. And when people are in a situation where they can't have children, you know, it, you, I, I know I know people who I'm sure you guys do too. It's uh, it's very terrible cross to carry, right? But the answer to this question is not to go about these ways. Mm. Some people will say, well, I'll do anything to mm. have children. And so they participate in, in things like IVF. I think we all know people who have participated in IVF, mm-hmm. um, surrogacy or whatever it might be. So how do we how do we balance what the church teaches about life from people who say, well, I don't really care. Mm. You know, like because people who have who have, have gone through IVF and now they have children. Yeah, we'll say. Well, now I have my children, and I don't regret it. I love my children. Mm-hmm. You know. So, how do we balance that? Because, on one hand, it will never be, and and is not morally acceptable to participate in IVF, uh, or surrogacy, or other means of separating mm-hmm. the, the fruit of the sexual act with the sexual act. Um. So where do we where do we go yeah. there in 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 helping people to understand? I know. Uh, I'll, okay, maybe I'll I'll say what the catechism says because uh, you know yeah. me, I love the catechism. Uh, but then I want us to go there because some people will say, "Well, it's easy for them to say, right?" Yeah. yeah. And two, three, seven, nine. It says, "Spouses who still suffer from infertility after exhausting legitimate medical procedures should unite themselves with the Lord's cross." the source of all spiritual fecundity. They can give expression to their generosity by adopting abandoned children or performing demanding services for others. So here's a suggestion to people who have exhausted legitimate medical procedures. Mm -hmm. That's not saying surrogacy, IVF, all those different things. So legitimate medical procedures. Just to touch on those, those would be things like sometimes women are miscarrying because they don't have the proper hormones in place. And the church totally allows a woman to... um, to go and get that medical help to have the proper hormonal balance to have a, cu- a child properly, yeah, to right? To create the natural to, conditions for conception. Exactly. Yeah. And so the church completely allows that because what you're doing is you're just, like, you're deficient. If you're devi- deficient in vitamin B, I mean, that's not, <laughs> that's not the case. But, like, you know, if, if you're deficient in one thing or another, the church is saying, yeah, no, go, go get yeah. healthy so that you can do this because this is the natural way of doing it, yeah. right? There- yeah, there are two things that you said that that are that are really really important. But I think I think that kind of uh, first thing that like um, how do you, how do you encounter people? How do you how do you um, you know where this seems like the last resort? Um, a lot of times, and not in all cases. You know, there are yeah. there are legitimate cases of infertility, or you know, uh, uh, and you know, you want to recognize like how how hard that actually is, or how and you know, especially. Um, when couples have done all that they can do kind of naturally and they still are, are, are bearing this cross. Um, but uh, a lot of times and in a lot of cases, um, when you get to the point of IVF, you're already 
um, on damage control for this type, this this view of sexuality and procreation in 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 the society. Um, so um, you know you have this idea that you know. Um, um, uh, a woman's uh, reproductivity is something that you can manipulate, that you can modify, that you can change. So, like, you have this kind of generally accepted practice that, you know, as soon as uh, a girl turns 12 or starts, um, you know, automatically on birth, co- yeah. birth control. Um, and then you have, and, and we've, we've had friends who, you know, this, this is their story, um, that they're, you know, they've just short-circuited their, their physiology for two decades before they, they even think, of, okay, now I actually want to have a child. Like, they run into all kinds of problems with infertility, with, you know, their body doesn't know what to do um, properly because, again, they, they've they've kind of treated their body as, you know, uh, th- their fertility as a disease, you know, something to be medicated, something to be put off until a certain point. And then by the time they realize it, like they, they uh, you know, doctors didn't tell them. They didn't, you know, they didn't read the... Um, illegible fine print print on on the actual like these are some of the long term consequences that you know if you like the the solution is just another technique just another we're we're seeing that a lot more now especially now because those types of techniques started back in the 90s and so what you're having now is you're having women uh, that grew up in the 80s and the 90s as teenagers who started getting on the pill right away and everything else and now they're hitting their 40s or let's say late 30s and and they're like okay well I I have a couple years left now is the time where I want to start having kids and they're not able to conceive and part of that part of that is damage that can be done through the pill and we're realizing that more and more now that we've had two or three decades of of a lot of women on the pill yeah it's well documented it's well documented now that it's it's, it's an actual thing now there is though I just want to point out because some women are on the pill not because they want to um, regulate their cycle in a way for reproduction meaning that they don't want to use it to discard (laughs) um, the babies that might be you know like the way the pill works is it sheds the uteral lining at a certain time and everything else, whether there's a baby or not. And so, like, you basically have can have uh, a mini abortion at the end of a cycle. And so, uh, it's really important that a woman. There are women out there that need the pill sometimes to regulate their cycle in a healthy way, yeah. meaning that they they you know the way that they experience um, their cycle is in a way that needs to be medicated. Um, those women what we would say in a Catholic world, I would say, is that they have to be very careful that they are not trying, that they are not putting themselves at risk to get pregnant in that time because you could abort a baby. You could yeah. you could be putting yourself through major damage as well. There is now more and more evidence that being on the pill could potentially create yeah. you to be infertile later on in your life when you maybe want to have kids. And so that's also things that I'm going to say parents as well as teenagers should be thinking about before going on the pill is, is that we have now 30 years of experience that are suggesting these are very likely scenarios yeah. here. And so those are all things. So just because you're on the pill doesn't mean you're on the pill for the wrong reasons. There are right reasons to be on the pill. Uh, but also that you have to be very careful. You can't just take it as a, hey, well, yeah. I'm on the pill anyway, so I can just do whatever I want. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the, the other the other aspect of what you said is like how how do we encounter these these families and more importantly the children um, yeah. of of this process and I think I think you can like again look analogously at another situation It's like okay so say um, you know my my wife and I conceived a baby before we were married yeah. um, you know that that is you know that's not it's not the proper condition for us to um, to do that how do we encounter the child well. We raise the child. We love the child. We and 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 you know for the same reason that like um, say a couple um, you know 
um, did this, you know, IVF route, you know, before uh, they converted, before they became Catholic. You or know, they didn't realize the, it when they did it, yeah. Yes, the, the child is no less a child. The child is no less deserving of love. And again, they're eligible for baptism. They're like, oh, you have you have all these things. We're, we're sympathetic to... The sins of the parent yeah. don't ever reflect mm-hmm. the life of the child. Never go on. Yeah. So, like, if, if your parents did something wrong, it's never a thing on the on the child itself. Mm-hmm. The child is blameless in this. God created this life. God gave this life a soul. There's a reason why this child is around, and he loves this child no matter what. And so we treat all that life with respect. The sins of the father don't have anything to do with the yeah. life of the child. So we treat that life. That's why That's why a baby born of surrogacy can still be baptized. Yes. Right? Uh, that's yeah. why, you know, but, but again, realizing that... that Maybe if there's a surrogacy, conditions around around the baby being born and stuff, yeah. maybe that the parents need to be schooled a little bit more in understanding what exactly yeah. was going on here. And maybe it's not just a quick baptismal class. Maybe it's actual like RCIA class or something to understand what's going on. And yeah. so that when they're baptizing their child and trying to raise them in the faith, they understand exactly what the church teaches and why. Yeah. So going way back okay, to how yeah. we started here yeah. to uh, the Pope's comments, yeah, he calls this deplorable. Uh, he and 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 people are kind of surprised. You remember we talked about you know everyone looks at Pope Francis as kind of their their grandfather figure. So for him to speak uh, use words like deplorable, of course, make the headlines, right? He's not the first pope to speak out of, against uh, these sort of things. We'll give those resources at the end of this episode. Uh, so he calls it deplorable. He's calling on nations to stop this commercialized surrogacy. What do we? The problem goes much deeper, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Like right from the get go, people no longer have a holy view of the sexual act. Yeah. It's a transaction, right? And and the problem goes deeper than surrogacy, IVF, uh, whatever the pill. Mm-hmm. Right from the get go, in this world where you know we're we're becoming more commercialized in general and. We're, we're consumers, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we treat everything in that way. Yeah. Sex is something that is available to people uh, when they watch online. It's, it's a right. It's a, yeah. yeah. And, and Versus you can even see gift. Uh, people how they uh, interact in sexualized ways or how uh, television movies portray it today. How, in, how on earth do we ever <laughs> restore mm-hmm. a, a holy way of? Of, of looking at the sexual act it's it's one of those things where sure I think it's I think it's fantastic that the Pope used this uh, speech to diplomats to bring up this topic like he didn't he could have talked about all sorts of different things yeah. and and yeah. he said that no this this human this aspect of human dignity is important right? And then it's like, but we have so much work to do. Yeah. Like, you know, you mentioned like, uh, you know, kids at 12, 13, they're put on the pill yeah. right off the bat. Uh, kids, the studies are showing uh, that as, as early as grade five, mm-hmm. kids are watching pornography. Uh, yeah. Grade five, is that what I said? Yep. Grade five. Yep. Um, like where uh, p- people are just cohabitating and uh, yeah. y- going from sexual partner to sexual partner. It's just such a destructive... Uh, uh, way of living God's plan for sexuality. So then, when the Pope says something like IVF uh, surrogacy is deplorable, and we start looking at you know surrogacy and IVF and all these different things, 
where in the world do we even get people to say, you know, you're right. Maybe we should go back to try, you know, maybe the unitive aspect yeah. of sex to really try to procreate. I, th- I think that's what the, the Pope doing this is part of that step, right? Is because they a lot of people. What is the church known for around the world when when we talk about um, things like abortion? Abortion is one of those things. So life begins at conception, and that we believe that you know, so that they're like, okay, well, the church the, the church wants babies, so this is a way to have babies, you know, mm. like, but the church stands by the same yeah. teaching either side of the fence. It's, it's, no, no, there's a proper way to do this, there's a natural way to do this, and this is how we do it. And so the Pope bringing that to attention kind of, I think, shocked the world in, in the way that how they understood what the church actually stands for when it comes to life. And, okay. uh, and then a lot of times we, we hide behind the... I'm going to say we, we, we present ourselves as negligible, um, to what's actually going on in these processes, medical processes and everything else. We talked a long time ago about stem cell research when yeah. we talked about the, uh, yeah. the COVID vaccines yeah. and everything else. We, like, we, we hide behind not knowing some of this stuff to, to, to well, we're just innocent of it. You're not yeah. innocent of it. if you're. It, so you have to kind of go in. You have to know what's going on. You have to understand what's going on. Yeah. So we, we call people to do that. Yeah, to, to look at the question of like, how, okay, how, how, do we, how do we deal with it? Like where do we start yeah. um, to, to kind of address this and like we we really need to embody as families as 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 people um you know the church is teaching on family sexuality uh procreation and walk beside along with people who are struggling in certain situations like a lot of times these these discussions about you know um you know the the starting point for the discussion is the the moral prohibition you know you can't do this you can't do this and a lot of people a lot of times people just kind of write you off and be like okay well you're out of touch like you don't understand i'm not gonna talk to you about this anymore you don't understand how painful this situation is uh whereas you know if if we are you know as as catholics as families as communities you know we're actually living this out you know we have we've we've gone to the effort of understanding, you know, reading Humana Vitae, reading Theology of the Body, understanding the church's teaching, and more than just understanding, you know, practicing fertility awareness-based methods. Um, NAPRO technology, um, uh, like I... um, I can't count the number of times that, you know, my wife has had a conversation with someone, you know, not not well-versed in the church's, you know, theology of sexuality, just talking about infertility. I mean, like, have you you heard of this? Have you heard of, like, this is... um, 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 this is uh, the way uh, of working with your body's natural processes. You know, it's an invitation to, you know, look at sexuality and procreation through the lens of, of what the church teaches. Um, so again, really, really, um, again, um, not entering the discussion at this kind of contentious, you know, no. moral prohibition level, but actually journeying alongside people, embodying the teaching of the church. And, you know, people people see the appeal of it. Or there, there is, you know, there is kind of fertile ground there. But don't, boom. I think people hide a lot of times from the embarrassment when we talk about sex. Sex mm-hmm. is always seems to be private. Part of that is because we can feel guilty when we can feel, when it, when it comes to things around the bedroom. But the church holds that done correctly, sex is such a beautiful gift. It's one of the few times as we talk about heaven touches down on earth. We have it in the... Eucharist, heaven comes down and transubstantiation, but the other time that heaven kind of opens up and God yeah. comes and is like does a miracle on earth is every minute of every day is is during conception. Like God puts a little soul inside that at every like that's the time that heaven opens up. So sex is such a beautiful thing. We we can't be scared of that, but we also have to then know 
why the church teaches what it teaches. We have a whole few generations, I'm going to say at this point, who just know that a bunch of priests and nuns told them when at school one time that they're not allowed to have sex. And so the church is against sex because the priests and nuns couldn't have it. They don't realize that the priests and nuns that taught them this stuff actually know about sex. They actually actually took a vow to give up the life of sex, of of family, of of, of having children. There's a natural desire in every single person to want to have children, especially in that intimate relationship within a marriage. uh, Matt, you said that before. It was it's in the marital vows themselves mm-hmm. that you are open to life. The wanting children is not a, a bad thing. It, it is a it's a it's a true desire. It's a, it's instinctual even. You know what I mean? And it can be it can be such a hard thing to have to mm-hmm. live with that natural desire and not be able to fulfill it. And so the church does give us other options. I mean, there are things like adoption. There are things like, you know what I mean? And there, and, and there are a lot of medical things that are allowed by the mm-hmm. church. And so exhausting those first, maybe looking at adoption, maybe looking at... And then the church suggests other ways is maybe looking how you can be... Um, how you can fulfill your life in the church through other ways. You know what I mean? And so Yeah, you mentioned... Other options like medical uh, options yeah. that yeah. are permitted morally, right? Uh, and obviously, we uh, don't have time to go through those, today, those which would yeah. which would have been nice to offer some of them. Uh, but there's lots of uh, resources online for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you search up like Catholic infertility resources or on treatment. Google, lots yeah. lots of places online uh, where people are gathering together and helping each other through infertility uh, in the way that's would be morally acceptable so that's a quick little google search away if people want to know more about what the church teaches i know as recent as uh, 2008 uh, the congregation or the dicastery of the doctrine of the faith released a uh, uh, a document called Dignitas Personae, the dignity of the human being, uh, talks about uh, the church's teaching on these things. Pope John Paul II wrote a book, uh, wrote an encyclical called The Gospel of Life in 1995. It's excellent. It's in Latin. It's Evangelium Vitae. Lots of things online for people to read. Lots of resources online. Lots of lots of online group support groups as well for mm-hmm. people who are going through. Uh, infertility. Uh, so uh, we're going to have to leave this conversation here. I know uh, it's it's a bit of a heavy one, and uh, people underst- people might not understand the church's teaching on this or not feel comfortable with it. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know the Lord uh, has provided such a beautiful gift in children, and uh, in any gift that the Lord <laughs> provides for us, there's always ways where. Uh, it could be taken advantage of in different ways that maybe are less morally acceptable. It's one of those things that are hard to digest, but I think is a, is a, still a beautiful teaching of the church that likes to preserve the dignity of life at every stage, right from conception to natural death. So if people have questions, comments uh, to add uh, to this conversation, you can drop them uh, below or in the comments uh, or you can drop us a line at askus at thecatholicbuzz.com and we'll send all those uh, questions to Josh or Matt, not I. I'm not going <laughs> to answer any of them. Uh, but that's all the time we have on this uh, episode. So for Josh Sullivan and Matt Van Milgen, my name is Father Daniele. We'll see you next time on The Catholic Buzz. Mm-hmm.